Well, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to our, our first inaugural podcast here. It's kind of exciting. It is right? exciting. This, it this is exciting. new uh, whole training medium we're going to try, and, and hopefully everybody likes it. Yeah, I hope so. I, I know myself, I'm excited about our first topic. Um, it's one that I had talked to you about previously. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had given a training to our uh, some of our Ensign uh, IT team on, um, uh, it was a culture training, and I just remember being really uh, impressed throughout the course of the meeting by the level of engagement that you that you got out of the folks. Um, you know, we, we frequently do have culture trainings and, and really try to get people engaged. And uh, until that, I thought we were doing a pretty good job of having them engaged, but there was there was a level of engagement and enthusiasm for conversation that I saw out of the team. And, and I like that you use the word engaged because I, I think sometimes when we train and we present, we almost feel like participation is the goal. And I just think there's very cheap and easy ways to get participation that's different than engagement, right? And, yeah. and engagement is, engagement, you can have people that really aren't necessarily participating, but they are engaged. And I would much rather have them engaged than participating, <laughs> of course. right? So I, I like that you use that word and I, I want us to kind of keep that goal in mind that, that we want people there with us and engaged in the conversation we're trying to have. And, and the reason I do use engaged was we, we left the training and we continued to discuss and talk about the topics that we were debating and talking about in the training. And I mean, that went on for a couple of hours yeah. after the session. And that's when I yeah. really knew that this wasn't a normal training session, that mm -hmm. the level of engagement wasn't accidental. And I really wanted to talk to you and find out what technique you used, because to me it was obvious that 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 was yeah. an intentional result that you were getting. Yeah, that is that is a great sign of a of an effective training. Is you know, it's sometimes when we train, we give people answers, and when we give people answers, they stop thinking. But if they leave that training with a desire to continue to learn, as we as we call it in our core values, mm -hmm. to have a passion for learning, uh, that means that means we've we've been more successful. Well, that makes sense. I, I guess I'd love it if you just jump right on in and start sharing some of those principles. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the question we have to ask ourselves is why is this hard to do? Why do we get so nervous uh, to, to do these trainings and, and try to get people engaged? And I, I think there's just certain principles and practices that once we figure out, and if we're willing to adapt, look, you, you're going to have to change habits, old habits that you've built up or that you've learned from, from academia, uh, you know, any of your school classes, how your school teachers maybe used to teach you. Right. And you're gonna have to sort of beat those out of your head a little bit and, and get to the point where you're willing to do some uncomfortable things. I've, you've, you've probably heard me use this example before. I will never be a great golfer. And, and the reason why I will never be a great golfer is, is I'm not willing to tweak little things here and there that I need to tweak in order to have a good swing. And the reason why I don't want to tweak those things is I almost feel like when I try and put my elbow in or swing with my left hand, or I can't remember the things that people tried to teach me, <laughs> my, my, my shots got so much worse and, and I, I just went back to the way I knew how to do right, it. Right. And even though I'm not good, at least I wasn't you were comfortable worse I was yeah. I was a little more comfortable and I think that's the issue with our trainings is we're so afraid to change and tweak it because it might get a little bit worse at first until you figure it out 
but it's comfortable for us to just use PowerPoints and read those PowerPoints to people. It's comfortable for us to ask certain questions that maybe aren't that stimulating. It's comfortable for us to do it a certain way, but unless we're willing to adjust these little techniques and be a little bit uncomfortable right. for a while, we can never be great. Uh, that, that makes and a ton that's of sense. why I'm always going to be a horrible <laughs> golfer. I will never be you better. refuse to be uncomfortable yeah, as a golfer. I, it's hard to get worse, but if I try and correct it, I will get worse for a while. That's great. Um, well, I, I guess um, if you don't mind actually just digging into some actual sort of specific um, principles yeah. that I would need to understand to, to, to help. Yeah, and you know, I'll, I'll say certain phrases and, and you'll think, oh, okay, that's obvious, but, but really we need to sort of dissect some of these phrases to make sure we, we understand them. Uh, and the first principle that I wanna make sure we understand is, is this. Knowledge is constructed by the learner. Okay, I'll, I'll repeat that. Knowledge is constructed by the learner. We feel like as the trainer that we need to construct that knowledge and then hand that knowledge to the learner. And it's a very ineffective way because, because you know, if we're training, we tend to be the expert in that field. And so we feel like if we put all the ideas together and then put it on a PowerPoint or put it in a handout and just give it to the person, they're suddenly gonna understand it. That's as, that's, that makes as much sense as me going and buying my kids uh, a Lego set for Christmas and then before giving it to them, opening it up, putting it all together, creating whatever the Lego set is and handing it to them and saying, there you go, enjoy this. <laughs> Have fun with the Legos. Here, yeah, here's this toy that I just built you. They get nothing out of it. It doesn't mean a whole lot to them. There's, there's, not, a, there's not a pride in it. Yeah. There's not an ownership of the knowledge that's there because I've constructed it for them. Instead, what I do with my kids is, is I, I give them the Lego set, I point out the instruction booklet, I maybe teach them how to read the instruction booklet. I might even help alongside of them a little bit and helping them see how pieces fit together. But in the end, it's the kid that is going to be building that Lego set and that's where, that's where the real value of, of, of the knowledge lies, this idea that we've got to stop trying to just hand our const already constructed knowledge to them. We've got to give them the tools and the pieces so that they can build up this knowledge in their mind. And that's, that is what I think leads to, like you say, uh, you know, that, that continual discussion, that passion for learning that goes beyond the training because because they have they have constructed it for themselves and it almost gives them a desire to continue to learn and, and right. continue to to you know look look for other questions that they may have no that makes a ton of sense um, so how would I actually go about um, helping to to construct the Legos. Um, how do I yeah. learn to actually do that as a skill? Because it's one thing to talk about it and conceptually I agree with you, but, yeah. but taking that and putting it into actual practice, is right. where, where, where do I go from there? Well, let me start with this question back for you, Ryan. If, if I say, hey, do you have a training on such and such? 
what does your mind go to? What what do you want to? What do you think of sending me if I say, hey, send me a training on? I immediately thought of, do I have a a PowerPoint, a, PowerPoint a Word document, a recorded WebEx? And we call that our training. The right. information that's on those slides, that's our training. And all we all we do, in the end, if that's our training, then we should just send people our PowerPoints and stop wasting the time <laughs> of trying to get together. Let's just let's just send them the information. Obviously, that's not an effective way of doing things. The, so so here's here's principle number one on on helping people construct their own knowledge. We need to do a better job of what I call constructing the shelf or building the shelf. Uh, others others I, I've I've spoken to a lot of people within the organization about this concept, and I'm just a big believer in it. When we hand people constructed knowledge, when we try to train people or we tell people what we know. What we're doing is we're giving them answers to questions that they don't know they even have. Right. And if they don't have the question in their minds, there's no shelf for me to put that answer on. So if I can help mm. generate in them wonder, curiosity, right. and questions in their mind, then then they build a shelf and they say, yeah, what what is the answer to this this question that he's asked us and now there's a shelf there that I can start setting things on this this goes right in line right in line with Jim Collins Jim Collins says a level five leader does three things really well hmm. a level five leader gets the right people in the right seats on the bus and gets the wrong people off so that's number one right. now that he has the right people in the right seats he asks them the right questions not just questions the right questions for them to ponder and discuss and debate. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing a level five leader does is, is they, uh, they create a culture of debate. They make it so people feel free to throw out their thoughts and, and, and debate these things. And the right people with the right questions will take your organization in the right direction. The right questions are what help people build that shelf. And, and that, that explanation makes a ton of sense. Thank you. I, I think I've been in enough training sessions with you where I, I've seen you ask great questions and I can tell they're great, great questions because it, it helps create so much immediate debate and there's... So coming up with them is a different coming thing, Coming up with right? them is a totally different thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> it's a skill. And that's what I'm wondering. Is it, is it a skill? How do you develop that skill? How do you, how do you, how do you come up with asking such a great question? I'll tell you, it is a skill you have to develop. And I, I remember myself uh, probably a decade ago when I was starting my teaching career, mm -hmm. uh, calling people that had this skill and, and just saying... I really struggle to ask questions that, that engage people and I, I don't know how to do it and I'm, I'm failing at this and, and they taught me certain principles and I had to practice those principles. Um, I'll give you a few here and, and every question that you're trying to come up with, by the way, I, I will say this before I get into these questions. Mm -hmm. One common mistake we make in preparing our trainings is we prepare so much of the what that we're going to teach and we spend very little time on the how. When mm -hmm. I put together a training, I spend about half my time on the what. This is the content right. that I want to make sure they understand. And then the rest of my time, the other 50%, I will spend trying to tool and retool the right questions. 
And so are, are you, is that like a visualization process you go through? I, there's or? a lot of visualization. So I'll, I'll start by saying this. Um, and, and, and you're, you know, as you talk about visualization, you're, you're exactly right. When I, when I write down a question or I prepare a question, I will oftentimes close my eyes and just try to imagine how will the class really, I mean, I, I actually, I picture actual people that will be in this training and I think, wow. Will they respond to this well? Will they really care to talk about the answer to this question? Or will they just answer it to try and humor me? Okay. And, right. to, and to try and keep the class going or because <laughs> silence is uncomfortable. <laughs> right, or right. my, my goal is not to get participation, like you say, mm -hmm. it's to get engagement. And oftentimes when I try to visualize this question, I, I see people with great intentions, willing to participate and answer the question, but frankly, they don't really care about the answer and the discussion that comes from that. Right, and that's and not engagement. <laughs> that's not engagement, that's, that's participation and that's the lower goal. Because we can ask simple questions. We can ask no-brainer questions and people will, will uh, raise, I mean, it's a common question I hear all the time in trainings. How many of you have ever, and people raise their hands right. and they think, oh, okay, we got participation right. in that. But, <laughs> but how many of you have ever, is really not that effective of a question. Right, um, I can see that. It, it could be in rare circumstances, but, but usually it's not that effective of a question. So, so here's rule number one, after you visualized and you're trying to picture, I like to ask questions that don't have a right or a wrong answer. <laughs> right, and that bothers people. I've seen you people. do that. that, right. that I've seen you do that, that. That bothers people. I mean, huh. and this this applies. This this doesn't just apply. A lot of people, times people will say, "Oh, Clay, that great works great with culture." Right. But that doesn't apply to IT. That doesn't apply to accounting. That doesn't apply to financial uh, whatever. <laughs> if if I'm asking, let's say that I'm doing a training for uh, business office managers or accounts receivable resources or something like that. Okay. And there's a lot of practices and procedures that I want to talk about, but first I want to create a shelf. Maybe I'll sit down with the business office managers, the whole group, and I'll say, okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. Mm -hmm. And nobody can answer for at least 30 seconds because I really want you to think about it. Yeah, you notice good, how I'm that's prepping a good yeah, that's a good I do that because sometimes, sometimes trainers are so afraid of silence or even they ask a question and there's so much silence and they're uncomfortable with it. I've found that if you demand the silence, everybody's comfortable and they're willing to think. That's, that's a great idea. Does that make that's sense? That's a great idea. So, so I'll say, okay, nobody can answer for at least 30 seconds or you have to write your answer down because I really want you to memorialize it. I want you to think about it. Now, here's my question. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. And as I've done that, <laughs> now they're all prepped. Now right. they're all kind of saying, right. okay, what's he about to ask us? Then I ask all the business office managers, what is the most important thing that you think you do every day to help keep DSO low? Now, there's all sorts of different answers. There's no yes or no. <laughs> there's no yes or no. There's no, there's no one right answer that right. is there. Um, hopefully there's not. Hopefully I as the trainer aren't, aren't trying to, I'll talk about that in a second. I'm not trying to get them to guess what I'm thinking. But there could be 10, 20, 30 different answers that are there. And then what happens is they all write down their answers. I ask somebody to share. Hopefully I find some disagreement and we, we create a debate. We yeah. create some friction. 
what I'm trying to get to, I call it getting it to, to is it 212 degrees that's boiling? That's two, uh, I shouldn't You're ask you. Wrong guy, I shouldn't yeah. ask you exactly. science questions uh, <laughs> exactly. on a podcast. <laughs> so, so I'm trying to get to 212 degrees. Uh, you guys can check my facts on that. It, that's the boiling point. I, I, I don't want water just to simmer. I want to get to the point where it's bubbling up. And, and if I can ask questions where somebody says, well, no, I think my weekly meeting with the executive director is absolutely the most important thing that I do. Right. And somebody else is saying, no, I think these phone calls and we're able to debate it. What's happening is everybody in that room is creating a shelf in their minds and thinking, well, what is the most important <laughs> right. thing? Because I know I spend so much time on this, but if you're saying it's that and you seem to have better results than me, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. All we've done is created the shelf. We're teaching each other, and then you can start to set principles out there and say, okay, well, let's first of all talk about our weekly meetings with the executive directors. Why is that so important? And, and they're learning, they're taking notes, what questions should be asked in that meeting, what things should be accomplished. But it all started with a question that didn't have a right or a wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great example. It I just could, has their answer. Yeah, and I could see them continuing to discuss that well after that, that meeting, right? Yeah, and, and I'm not quizzing them from memory. I'm not quizzing them on, on okay, we had this training a week ago. What's the most important thing we do? And <laughs> what did we thinking, agree yeah, the most important agree? thing was? And, and they're trying to guess that. And, and if, you, if there is a right answer, what happens is somebody gives the answer, and then nobody cares anymore because after an answer is given, thinking stops. Yeah, that's a that's a great say that again. <laughs> when when we have an answer to a question, we stop thinking. And if we are to create an organization that has a passion for learning, right, we have to stimulate thinking. So we need to change questions, change from questions that stimulate answers to questions that stimulate responses. Responses are different than yeah. answers. That then creates the shelf, and then with that shelf, all that stuff you had prepared that you would put in your PowerPoint or you would put in your handout, those answers come out in the discussion. And anything that doesn't come out, you pepper those in as the trainer. You say, hey, something nobody has talked about is this. What do you guys think about that? Right. And in the end, Everything you had prepared in that PowerPoint comes out in the training, but it came out and it's set on a shelf. Right, it came out through the people, not through exactly. you standing up there giving them answers. Exactly. That's, that's a great explanation, Clay. You know, the other thing I'd say on that is, you know, imagine, I, I sort of alluded to this at first, imagine I asked that question, what is the most important thing that a business office manager does to keep DSO low? But imagine I think as the trainer, I have the right answer. Right. And let's just say I think it is weekly meetings with the executive director. And a one of the business office managers says, I think it's a great relationship with the admissions marketing person. Okay. Well, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. We should talk about that. What what constitutes a great relationship? Why does that matter? There's so many things that we should go into. But if my direction in the meeting was to only talk about that um, that meeting with the executive director, I'm saying, okay, yeah, that's a good answer. Anything else? And in the end, I'm just trying to lead them to what I'm what thinking. What you thought the right answer was. It's kind of patronizing. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, if I'm asking questions where I'm just trying to lead them to the way that I think, don't waste their time with the questions. Let's just give them the answer. Yeah. 
right? I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it's, it's not effective. And I, you, you think of uh, just, just picture uh, uh, two attorneys in a, in a courtroom and, and uh, one of them is questioning the witness and the other one says, objection, leading the witness. You're trying to get my witness to say exactly what you want them to say. That's not a question that stimulates thought. If it's a leading question, you're patronizing them to think the way that you're thinking. And so you have to ask yourself, okay, is, does this question have a right or wrong answer? Am I just trying to get them to answer with my answer? I, I love that thought. I mean, I, when I think back about the trainings I've done, I can see, I can see myself clearly having made that mistake. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I do too. I mean, it's, it's something that we commonly do. If I'm doing a culture training, let's say I'm doing a training on Caplico, and I say, look, what do you think is the most important core value and I only want to talk about ownership, right? then their answers don't matter a whole lot. Right. I'm just waiting for somebody to guess what I'm thinking, so then I can start talking about talking about topic. how why ownership is the most important. And that's not effective. It's, right. it's page. Look, in the end, this is the difference between a level four and a level five leader. A level four leader, it's all about them. And so they're just asking questions so that all of their thousand helpers can get to the answer that the genius already has. Right, that makes sense. But a level five leader is a big believer in the knowledge that's around them. They're a multiplier. And so they're going to ask genuine questions that they have of other people and soak up that information, debate and discuss so that they can get to the absolute best answers. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Well, Clay? Let me uh, let me actually give you a couple a uh, couple of other principles before we before we kind of wrap this up. Um, you know that visualization that you're doing, and by the way, that's not hooey. I I, I had a basketball coach teach me that uh, that when you step to the free throw line, before you shoot that free throw, visualize the ball going through the hoop. And I, I used to kind of laugh at that and snicker at that, but I am I have become a big believer in visualization. Close your eyes, picture your training, picture, the, picture yourself asking these questions that you've prepared, and just see how they're received. See if it stimulates conversation. I, I really like the idea of visualizing myself asking the actual questions. I think I would immediately be able It'll to- It'll save yourself from I, embarrassment. Yeah, and I think I could immediately <laughs> rule out, am I, right. whether it's a patronizing or yeah. leading or other type of question. Like once you give voice to it, it, it becomes pretty apparent whether it was a good question or not. And, and the key is, is you know, the fact that you're spending time actually preparing yeah. the questions. What we do is we prepare the material and then we show up <laughs> hoping questions pop into our head. You're right. Yeah, that's great. We right? spent time preparing the material, not the questions. Right. And then our questions end up being, about the what material. do you guys think about that? <laughs> exactly. You know, what, what, what do you guys think? Do you, do you think it's important to have great customer service? Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> you just asked us if yeah, we yeah. thought it was important to have customer service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, that's where it gets. So, so only when you're visualizing these questions, only ask questions that you're genuinely interested in the answer to. If you're not interested in it, don't bother. Don't, don't patronize them with questions that you don't really care about just because you're trying to generate something. You should care about the question. You should visualize it. And, and, and you should make sure that uh, that you are really trying to get them to think and wonder and frankly debate. Here's one of the ways that I can tell if it's going to be a good question mm -hmm. or not. If I think everybody's going to answer that question the same way, 
I don't like the question. question. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So that's something that I ask myself. Do, is if as I'm visualizing that room, if they all, if I think they're all going to answer the same answer, then I'm probably not going to waste my time on that question. <laughs> it's not an, an example of what a great teacher you just were. Exactly, <laughs> it's, it's a not, bad it's question. Not something, and again, once we get them kind of debating and and you know more more stimulated in this topic, I, I think one of three things happens in this discussion. One, and this is my favorite thing, they train them, they train each other. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite thing as a trainer is to be able to step back, be silent, and watch everybody else train each other while they take notes. And hear the debate and conversation exactly. continue without you needing to step in. And I almost feel like the less I speak in a training, the more effective the training is okay. as the trainer. The second thing that will happen, let's say there aren't things that, that they cover and there are other things that you wanted to make sure they understand. That's fine. Pepper those in. Spread them out. Say, hey, I, nobody's talked about this, and I, I want to make sure we cover this as well. What do you think about that? And, and you know, you, you're kind of fulfilling that role of, of as the knowledge expert, and and then maybe following up with questions. And by the way, when people make comments and answer your questions, the the real skill is these follow up questions that you ask. Okay, right. you said this over here. What what do you guys think about that? And does anybody think that they're wrong? You know, let's be honest here. Let's let's figure out what we think the best thing is. Like really helping to encourage that that initial debate if it's not just exactly. Yeah, and, and you might awesome. have to push that. And that and that's really what the, one of the main things that you'll do as a trainer. And then, and then the final thing that I think happens when you teach this way, when you train this way is they leave hungering for more knowledge like we talked about before they they are actually developing a passion for learning and so they will go out and research things on their own because look in the end and we'll talk about this in another podcast Mm -hmm. you're not going to cover everything right coverage is a myth you you will not there's so many things to cover so we try and whip through it in reality you're not going to cover all the things you need to you've got to prioritize and not sacrifice depth for breadth and uh, and that's that's just an important thing and and to to focus on. I, it, it reminds me of a of a quote that I'm just going to say a wise man once said because it's a, it's a French name that I, I can't pronounce. <laughs> but he, he he makes this statement. Uh, he says, "If you want to build a ship, mm-hmm. don't drum up men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea." That's awesome. <laughs> it is. A, That's if, awesome. If, if we really want to train people, we need to develop in them a passion for learning. Frankly, that's the most important thing you do as a trainer. You develop a passion for learning in people. And then, like the old adage says, we are teaching them how to fish and not just handing them a fish. Yeah. In the end, if we're going to be a leadership development company, we need to teach people how to fish and not just give them the fish. That was awesome, Clay. Thank you very much for spending some time talking with me about that. I know I've been excited to hear from you about some of the techniques that you use to, to give the trainings the way you did, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what I can do to practice yeah, them. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this pays some real dividends in our trainings. Uh, put them into practice. Take that uncomfortable step. Start with these questions and, and really get your groups thinking. Great. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Clay.